0: I want us to look at, uh, let me see. How about verse number nine? Luke chapter seven and verse number nine. Luke chapter seven and verse number nine. The Bible says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Let's, let's read verse 9 together, okay, and just by way of introduction, our starting point right there. Verse, verse number 9, let's read that aloud. Ready, begin. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Father, just for a few moments tonight, I ask that you would please use me. And Lord, my agenda is to do what you've called me to do tonight, Lord. I ask that I would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and speak through me, Lord. Put the word in my mouth and to help me to um, convey and to clearly communicate what you've given me in secret. And I thank you, Lord, for how you're building your church. Lord, you promised to do it. You said, I will build my church. And it's, uh, it's a joy to see you doing, God, what no one can do. And you're awesome. And uh, we love you. And thank you, God, for this opportunity tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Christian vocabulary has confused two very important words. The words are unworthy and worthless. Unworthy and worthless worthless to be worthless means to have no value that's what the word worthless means to have no value to be unworthy means not deserving these do not mean the same thing jesus did not die for the worthless jesus died for the unworthy Scripture affirms our value long before it recognizes our merits. Creation comes before the cross. In Genesis 127, the Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So we can clearly see that even from the beginning, that mankind, human beings, have value because we are created in the image of God. Do you agree with that tonight? We're created in his image. Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse 36 and 37, these are the words of Christ. He said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We are unworthy, but we are not worthless. And as God allowed me to go through the different messages that I had and kind of was going to preach something I already have preached, the Holy Spirit kind of spoke to me in a different light from the same passage that I preached a couple years ago. You know, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, and I said it this morning, but God commendeth. That word commended means an open demonstration. God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want us to pick up the story there in Luke chapter number seven in verse number one. And I want you to see this. The Bible says in Luke 7, one now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. Just so you don't understand the background here, Jesus had just finished his Sermon on the Mount, okay? He just finished giving his, his uh, Sermon on the Mount and he's returning to Capernaum. And in verse number two, the Bible says, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. That word servant means slave. And so here is a centurion, who is working under the Roman rule of his day, and he's probably a Samaritan. And uh, just for you to understand, Samaritans and Romans or Gentiles hated Jews and the Jews hated the Gentiles, okay? That's just the way it was in that time. The Bible says that this centurion has a servant who's dear unto him. He was sick and ready to die. Understand that this centurion had tremendous compassion Because there was no law that he would break had he allowed his slave or, according to Matthew's gospel, a young boy that he had with him to just die off. He had all right to just say, you're sick, you're no longer useful to me, then you can die off. Okay. And so here's this centurion who is worried and compassionate and concerned about his little slave boy. And in these times, they would assign these young men to these captains and centurions so they can learn the art of war and manhood and leadership. And so here's this young lad who's a slave and kind of an intern to this centurion who is dear unto him and he's ready to die and because he is sick. And the Bible says in verse 3, and when he had heard of Jesus, and when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him, begging him that he would come and heal his servant. I love this story right here because he knows that he has a problem, but he also knows someone who can fix it. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. And so he knows that he has a son, a, a servant boy that he loves and has been with them for a, quite a while. And he says, he's going to die and I can't do anything for him. But when he heard that Jesus was coming into town, he sent unto him to give some help. And I'm excited tonight because I know that Jesus' heart hasn't changed towards the world today. Jesus is still the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other, Jesus is the way. Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man come to the Father but by me. And Cyril here hears that Jesus is in the house, so to speak, and in Capernaum. And he says, I need to send somebody so he can come and heal his servant. Look at verse 4. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. In verse 4, the Bible says, And when they came to Jesus, they, the servants that he sent, the elders of the Jews that he sent, besought him instantly, saying, now pay attention to this, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. Now, 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 please understand that. Let that sink in for a little bit. Now, they're not speaking that Christ was worthy, okay? They're saying that the centurion is worthy for whom he should do this. And so they're explaining to him about the centurion's compassion. They're explaining to him about the centurion's character. They're saying some good things about this centurion and that he was worthy that he should come to do this miracle to help them out. And here's the reason why. Watch, look at verse 5. Let's read verse 5 together, okay? Ready, begin. For he loveth our nation and hath what? Do you see the mentality of these, these Jewish elders? Do you see the mentality? So here is the man's value. Here is the man's credibility. Here's the reason, Jesus, why you should stop everything that you're doing to come to his house and heal his servant. Because the Jewish elders really believe that the centurion, what, deserves this type of a miracle? They really believe, man, if you gotta come right now, Jesus, and because he deserves for you to do this, when they say, Why? Because he loves our nation. And I think that's commendable, right? Because the Bible says in Genesis 12, when he was given the promise to Abraham, he said, I will bless those that bless thee and I will what? Curse those that curse you. He said he loves our nation. Typically these Romans around here and these Samaritans all of these rulers, man, they just, (laughs) they're like dictators, man. They boss us around, they hate us. They treat us like dogs because they're over us, but not this centurion. He loves our nation. He loves our people. And not only that, Jesus, he he built us a synagogue. Well, does the synagogue mean? Well, that's where they would go to hear the, the law. That's where they would sit down and hear Bible. And they would, you know, they would hear the doctrines and teachings. And, hey, he loves our nation, and he built us a synagogue. So these are the two reasons why, Jesus, you need to come to his house. Look at verse number six. Then Jesus went with them. I love this, this is beautiful, because Jesus had a tremendous disposition. You see, the Bible says that Jesus went around doing good. The Bible says that Jesus went around, he healed the lame, and he touched the blinded eyes, made them see, and he fed the multitudes. That's just who Jesus is, and the Bible says here he went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, watch this right here. Now, now listen to this. He said, Lord, trouble not thyself. But wait a minute. <laughs> he sent for God to come unto him. He says, my servant is sick. I need Jesus to come and heal him. And when Jesus is getting near his house, he sends his friends. He said, wait a minute. I want you to tell Jesus, Lord, trouble not thyself. Well, wait a minute, man. Either you're calling for him or you're not calling for him. Either you want him to come heal him or you don't want him, you don't want him to heal him. But you got to make your mind up, Centurion. I don't want him to trouble himself. But here's, here's this thinking right here. For I am not worthy. I'm not worthy that what? That thou shouldest enter under my roof. Whoa. You see, according to the perspective of the Jewish elders, they thought, you are worthy centurion, you're worthy. Of course, we're gonna go tell Jesus that your slave son, your slave servant, he's he's sick and he's gonna come. You're worthy, you said, why? Because you built us a synagogue, because you love our nation. You see, there's something terribly wrong with that perspective. You say, why, Sammy? Because, listen, Jesus, I believe, would have come regardless had the centurion loved their nation or built them a synagogue. I believe that. You say, why? Let me just prove it to you. Turn to Matthew 8. I want you to see this in Matthew 8. You're in Matthew 8. This is... Matthew's perspective of this same story, all right? But I want you to see Matthew 8 and verse number one. Watch this. Verse one, the Bible says, when he was come down from the mountain, he's given the Sermon on the Mount. Great multitudes followed him. Look at verse 2. And behold, there came a what, church? Talk to me. A leper. (laughs) Let me ask you a rhetorical question. A a leper has nothing to offer. I mean, is is he worthy or unworthy, worthless? I mean, (laughs) look, look at this. A leper came and worshiped him. What did he say when he worshiped Jesus? Here's what he said. Lord. If thou wilt, thou canst make me what, church? In other words, if you want to, Lord, then you can make me clean. You can allow me to be healed of this leprosy who has isolated me from my family. You can allow me to be cleansed of this leprosy who has separated me from all of society, and not even able to work, and people shout unclean, unclean when I get near them. You you can make me clean. You can change my life if you want to. But wait a minute. The leper didn't build the synagogue. (laughs) The leper did not love their nation. He has nothing to offer Jesus at all. And how did Jesus respond? Look at verse number three. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Let me get an I will on three. One, two, three. I will. I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And then the Bible proceeds to tell us the story right here in Matthew 8 about this centurion. And so to the Jewish mind, it was about their power. It was about their position. It was about their titles. It was about their properties. It was about their intelligence. It was about their race. It was about whether or not you are somebody, if you have something to offer. But this is not the mind of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone is valuable to God. He says, leper, be thou clean. Now back to our story, look at Luke 7. He's worthy, Lord, because he loves our nation. He built us a synagogue. And I could just see Jesus probably, <laughs> probably smirking because that's not what it's about. But since I'm good and I'm God, I'm going to do something about it. Don't come underneath my roof. Verse number seven, please. Luke 7, 7, the Bible says, Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. That's why I sent my friends to you. That's why I sent the elders to you because I didn't think myself worthy to come unto you." And then he says this, but say in a word and my servant shall be healed. Now I want you to understand that when this centurion says, say in a word, listen church, this is crazy faith. This is crazy faith. Just say in a word, because although I sent for you to come, I'm unworthy that you should come underneath my roof. You know, there's only two times that Jesus was amazed in all of scripture. There's only two times when Jesus, you'll find it in the Bible, where he marveled. That word "marvel" means astonished. It means shocked. It means amazed. There's only two places you'll find it in all of the Bible. You'll find it here in this story where there should have been an absence of faith there's a presence of faith. And you'll find it in another story where there should have been the presence of faith, there was an absence of faith. Jesus shows up to his hometown and have brothers and sisters, and he's speaking as one that has authority. And you know what they said? Aren't you the carpenter's son? Aren't you the, the little boy that wore the yellow hard hat and followed your stepdad around with the nails and the hammer? Aren't, aren't, you, that, aren't you that guy? And the Bible says that he was what? Amazed. He marveled at their what? Unbelief. The Bible says he did not many miracles there because of their what? Unbelief. Here the centurion says, Lord, stop, stop, stop. Send, send, send messengers. I told him to come, but I didn't want him to come underneath my roof because I'm not worthy. I'm a Gentile. I'm filthy. I'm a sinner. And I heard about him. Matter of fact, I had a Bible study with some of these Jews at their synagogue, and I believe this man was probably a believer. I don't have a a dogmatic Bible to just tell you and show you that, but I believe he's a believer, and he's thinking, man, Jesus is too holy. He's not just a man. He's not just like Moses. He's not just a prophet. I believe that he is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus is God, and I'm not worthy for him to come underneath my roof, but all he has to say is a word, and my servant shall live, and he recognizes the authority of the Word of God that all Jesus has to do is say a word and his slave son and servant would live. This is beautiful. By the way, can I just tell you, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, none of us are worthy to have Jesus' presence in our life. You know, I think it's amazing to me when Christians get over how amazing Jesus is. That's what the hymn writer said. He said, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. You know, we have the propensity, especially at preachers, to take the word of God and we begin to study it, to just to get sermons sometimes out of it, instead of letting God's word penetrate deeply and change our way of thinking and change our way of life and change who we are. And sometimes, my brothers, I think that God Almighty looks down and he thinks, Man, these people are around me so much, and we begin to get used to Jesus answering prayer. We begin to get used. Used to the love of God, and we get used to add the, to, to, to answers of prayer, to, to answer to Him answering prayer. We begin to get used to praising and worshiping God. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm asking the question: Are you still amazed that Jesus loves you? Are you still amazed tonight? Does it still amaze you? This man amazed Jesus. You know why? Because he did not think himself worthy. For Jesus to come underneath his roof. You know what the danger would have been? Had this man thought himself worthless. Because if he would have thought himself worthless, he wouldn't even ask for Jesus' help. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. You think that unworthy and worthless are the same thing, and it is not. They're miles apart. Verse number eight. Luke 7 8, he says, For I'm a man sit under authority, having under soldiers, under me soldiers, and I say unto him, One go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to the servant do, and he does it. By the way, I believe that obedience is the greatest proof of faith. Obedience. He says, All you have to do is say the word. He understands that Jesus has authority. His word has authority. When he heard this, he marveled. Jesus is amazed. He turns to his disciples, all the people that are around. Him, he goes, man, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. My people don't even believe in me like this man does. <laughs> and they that were sent, verse number 10, and they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick found them whole. Would you turn to Ephesians 1, please? Ephesians 1, and I want you to see this in God's word. Ephesians 1 and verse number 3. He said, it, where do we find our worth tonight? Last week, a tremendous message and uh, just uh, teaching of, of Pastor Kerry, man, it was awesome, about identity, you know, traditional, let others define you, and modern, uh, you define yourself. And in gospel, it's, it's Jesus defines you. And this is what the Bible says. Look at Ephesians chapter number one and verse number three. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Look at verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So we receive adoption, we're accepted, and now we abound in Christ. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. Look at verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, predestinated according to the purpose of his will, purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Right there, it tells us where our worth is found. Our worth, my brothers and sisters tonight, is not found in our performance. Our worth tonight is found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. You see, (laughs) uh, I I said to someone last week, I said, you know, my worthiness is a byproduct of my wholeness. You see, the Bible says that at that same hour, that servant was made whole. You know, the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And though, my brothers and sisters, in and of ourselves, we are not worthy, but when we are in Jesus Christ, he counted us worthy to be loved. He counted us worthy to be accepted. He counted us worthy to be adopted. And now we have this abundant life in Christ. Of course, I believe I should finish with talking about the worthy one. You know, the Lord is worthy tonight. The Lord is exceedingly worthy. The Lord is eternally worthy. The Lord is exclusively worthy. Would you turn to 2 Samuel 22, please? Second Samuel 22, in verse number 4. 2 Samuel 22, in verse number 4, the Bible says, I will call on the Lord. Then what does the Bible say, church? What does it say? Who is worthy to be what? Praise. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. In Psalm 18, 3, he says, I will call on the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. In Revelation chapter four, in verse number 11, the Bible says this, listen. It says, thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, of what? The honor and the power and the glory. Why? Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And that's why, my brothers and sisters, when we gather on Sunday here on this property, especially during the time of worship, Please understand that our worship time is never about the worship team. Let me say that again. Our worship time is never about the worship team. Our worship time is never about you. Our worship time is about the one who is worthy. You see, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who is worthy. Jesus Christ is eternally worthy of all praise. Jesus Christ is exclusively worthy of all praise. You see, the songs that the birds sing every morning are not for you and they're not for me. The songs that they sing are for the Almighty Creator, the Worthy One, and it's Jesus Christ. You see, in Him was life, and in Him was the life of men. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the one who is the lover of our souls. He is the solid rock. He is our firm foundation. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the one who is and always will be. Preacher said years ago, he's the gate, wait the glory. He's the road, uh, way to righteousness. He's the hero of the heroes. He's the captain of the captains. He's the governor of the governors. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lord. He's the way, the truth, the life. And thank God tonight that Jesus Christ is worthy, and He'll be worthy for all the ages to come. And that's why we have all of eternity to praise His holy name. And that's why I'm zealous, my brothers and sisters, because. On Sunday morning, when we get to lead worship and we get to praise his name, why? Because although we are unworthy, we are made worthy through the sacrifice and through the blood of the worthy one, Jesus Christ, the one who has come to save us from the wrath to come. Praise God for that. God is worthy. What about this man? This man's crazy faith. It's like, dude, this guy amazes me. Can you imagine for us to amaze God? Think about that, for you to come to to the church and, and God think, this family, right, they amaze me. They have crazy faith. They just believe that I can do the impossible. They praise me. They recognize that they're not worthless, but that we are unworthy. But God, he's the one who's worthy. He's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of our love tonight. He's worthy for you to love him. You know, it's sad. I speak personally tonight. You know, it's sad that we can love others or other things more than we love Jesus. Isn't that sad? Or, or is that just me? Sad, man. Steve said it's just you. We can love other things and others more than we love Jesus. Sad. We think about our week and does he get to plan our week or do we just do what we want? Get up in the morning, do we think about him? Do we, are we captivated by his love? Because that's what it means for him to be worthy. That's what it means for us to give him preeminence. He's not just a Sunday thing that we do. No, he's an everyday thing. Sit down at the table, talk about him because he's worthy. He's worthy of our love and our faithfulness. Christ is worthy. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.